This is Bethel Online. Welcome home. This is the next best thing to being at Bethel on Sundays. We are driven by making disciples of Jesus who make disciples. When you're online, interact with us on Facebook and Instagram. When you're in Barhead, Alberta, drop in Sundays to Friday. Our goal on this podcast is to ask questions, challenge certainty, and grow a relationship with Jesus so you can go the distance and bring others with you. Thank you for tuning in. Last week in our service, we told the story from the Bible that's actually told three times in the Bible about a woman who, amongst a crowd of people, she began to worship God in a unique way. The Bible says that she broke open a jar of expensive perfume. It was worth a year's wages, very expensive. She broke it open over Jesus' feet and washed his feet with this perfume and anointed him. And then she took her hair and wiped his feet with her hair. In some of my studies, I read that um, it's not unusual, obviously, to anoint feet. Uh, It's done in many cultures and religions. But the idea of using your hair to wipe someone's feet is a a feat of, excuse me, a pun, is a, a feat of uh, extreme honor and um, humility as she lowers herself to that place where she worships Jesus by using her hair. Now, in the story, we read that she was criticized by those who were standing around. They began to say, you know, what a waste this money could have been used for something else. And and uh, we talked a little bit about the fact that um, whenever people worship God, there's always somebody who's going to criticize and say, you could have done something better, could have said, said something different. But this lady just continued to do what she did. And the Bible says that Jesus defended the lady by saying, leave her alone. And you remember last week I asked you to say that. So I'll ask you one more time, just in case you forgot the phrase, leave her alone. Can you say it? And for us guys, let's just say, leave him alone. Come on, say it out. Listen, us guys make more mistakes than the women. Leave him alone. Leave him alone. And then Jesus defended her one more time by saying she did what she could. Can you say that? She did what she could. She just did what she could. Those are some of the most powerful words we as Christians can hear. Oh, I know we talked about this last week. You know, there's passages that said, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. And if any man thirsts, let him come to me. Powerful phrases. But this little phrase in the middle of a a statement that Jesus makes amongst people who are criticizing a woman who's worshiping, she did what she could. That's powerful. It frees us. You are not expected to do everything, but you are expected to do what you can. Now, sometimes the problems we're faced with are so enormous, they're so big, that we are literally stymied into doing nothing. We do nothing. The problem is huge. And we say, well, what can I do about it? 
I can't do anything about it. That's, that's too big. And the people that were there that day, that's what they did. Why this waste? That's way too expensive. You shouldn't be doing that. Um, this woman shouldn't be allowed to do that. Those are not the right questions or the right statements to make. Jesus made the right statements. Leave her alone. She did what she could. That's really the kind of statements that should be found in every church, every week, every day. Leave them alone. They're doing what they can. When we become critical of what other people are doing, we're not on the right side of history, and we're certainly not on the right side of God. As I said, sometimes the problems we face in our world are so overwhelming that we ask ourselves, what can we do? But you just watched a video of what one man could do. One man decided he was going to do something about his lake, and he did something about it. What can you do in the face of abortion, where millions of children are being abortion? What can you do? Well, I'll tell you, you can do more than nothing. You can do something. What can you do in the face of pollution? Well, you maybe you can pick up the garbage around the school or wherever you see a piece of paper instead of just walking by it. Do something about it. You can do something. You may not be able to do everything, but you can do something. That's the key. That's what Jesus is teaching us. We don't have to do everything, but we can do something. And Jesus never expects us to do something that we can't do. But he does expect us to do something with what we have, with what abilities we have, what talents we have. He does expect us to do something. You know, a few years ago, the Christian world was ablaze with the advertising and the, uh, all kinds of things, mugs and bracelets and all kinds of things. You know, what would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? In a Christian world where people are crying out, what would Jesus do? The answer is pretty simple, isn't it? Do what you can. Just do what you can. It's no big mystery. You don't have to pray lots about it. Just do what you can. Jesus honors those people who will just do what they can. Doing what you can includes, but it's not limited to, your talents, your time, your abilities, and your gifts. The scripture says, for everyone to whom much is given, from him much will be required, and to whom much has been committed of him, they will ask more. I don't know about you, but do you remember last October when we had Thanksgiving, and we actually had a time for people to give thanks, and let's be honest, we are a blessed people, are we not? Are we blessed or not? The Bible says, those who are blessed with lots, much is expected of them. Much is expected of us. It's by our own lips that we condemn ourselves because we say we are blessed. Then Jesus says, I expect you to do something with your blessings. They're not just for you. Doing what you can includes our spiritual gifts and abilities, especially in a church setting. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27 says, Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. Every single person in this room, if you call upon the name of Jesus Christ 
as your Savior and Lord, he has placed you in a body, a church body, and you are required, you are expected to do your part in seeing the ministry of the church move forward. It's not an option. There are no volunteers in the kingdom of God. I didn't get an amen out of that. There are no volunteers in the kingdom of God. God expects all of us to do our parts. Every one of us is part of the body. Every one of us. Jesus fully expects everyone to do their part in ministry. And one day, we will give an account for the gifts and the spiritual gifts and abilities that we didn't use. You won't, you won't give an account for the things you don't have but you will give an account for the things he did give you. Doing what you can includes our money and our financial resources. The scripture says, now concerning the collection of the, of the saints, or for the saints, as I've given orders to the churches of Galatia, so must you also. On the first day of the week, let each one of you lay something aside. Each one of you. And of course, in um, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, Verse 7 says, so let each one give as he purposes in his heart. Every person, whether you are rich or whether you are poor, that really is not the issue. The issue is, are you doing your part? It's a great Sunday to ask that because we're giving out receipts at the end of the service so you can know what your part you did. You can know, that's a joke, but by the way, it, is, it does hit a little close, doesn't it? We all have to do our part. And it's... It's, a, it's not based on how much, it's based on how much you have left because the Bible says doing what you can includes everything, but it's not what you give, it's what you have left that really counts. This is what, Corinth, or what Luke chapter says, and he looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the treasury, and he saw a certain poor widow putting in two mites, so he said, truly I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all, for all these out of their abundance have put in offerings for God, but she out of her poverty put in all the livelihood that she had. Wow. Can you imagine a world where everybody just did what they could? Where there were no more excuses? People just did what they could. In their homes. It's not he said, she said, she doesn't do this, he doesn't do that. Where everybody just did what they could. Just do what you can. In churches, where instead of the statistics being 80% of the people, or 80% of the ministry being done by 20% of the church, that if everybody would just do something, not everything, just do something. Can you imagine a world where in a community like Barhead, instead of complaining about the politicians, be they town, county, wherever, if everybody just did what they could, just do something. Just do something to make the world a better place. Just do something for somebody else this week. Can you imagine... A world where everybody just did something? I mean, one guy cleaned a lake. One guy. Here, here's another video. 
of something that one guy did. Watch, watch this video, it's pretty amazing. This is not a landfill. This was Versva Beach in Mumbai, India, a little over three years ago. It was covered in over 6,000 tons of trash. After what the United Nations called the world's largest beach cleanup, this is Versva Beach today. It was a movement started and led by one man, Afro's Shop. My name is Afro Shah, I'm a lawyer by profession, and I love oceans. In October of 2015, Versova Beach was little more than a dumping ground on the west coast of Mumbai. There were five and a half feet of plastic, and when you see so much plastic decomposed to the ocean, it's scary, it's very scary. We have devastated the health of our ocean. Garbage pile up either on land or in ocean is a big issue, not only in India, world over. So Afros took matters into his own hands. He started picking up the trash himself. I have spent uh, my childhood here, you know, I used to play here, and the beach used to be very, very clean. For me, it was purely simple. It had to be my personal journey. Then I told myself it would be difficult for a single man to do it. So I said, why not take this personal journey to others? I provoked others to join in, and eventually they did join in. Since 2015, every weekend, hundreds of volunteers join Afros to pick up the trash that has been strewn along a two-mile stretch of the beach. And the volunteer work continues today. We have been cleaning for past 112 weeks now, and it's almost uh, 9 million kgs of plastic and filth out from the ocean. Beach cleaning is one of the biggest preventive action to prevent these plastic going into the deep sea. This is minimum we can do. Through the use of trucks, bulldozers, buckets, whatever people can use, the beach has slowly been picked up. But the issue is more than just the beach. It's about the mindset of people. So, apart from the beach cleanup, Afros also works with local communities to help educate them on recycling and proper trash disposal. We go to coastal communities where, you know, the littering happens, talking to them. I go to people's garbage. I tell them, show me. Then I tell them how to segregate, how to handle plastic. This is the first creek which is entering into the ocean from here. I'm proud that I'm connecting with people and I'm connecting with nature. That gets a very big sense of pride in my heart, you know. This problem of pollution is created by us. We have lost a sense of belonging to the, our planet and to our ocean. A lot of people ask me, Afros, how long are you going to clean? The day we say that this ocean is mine and it has to be spick and span, we will not ask this question. In fact, we will go and provoke others to do what I am doing. We are in for a long haul, and every citizen on this planet must be in for a long haul. Start doing your bit, what we are doing. Hey, let me ask you a question. Was he responsible for that mess on the beach? I mean, did he do it? Did he put all that garbage there? I don't think so. It wasn't his doing. Was it his responsibility to clean it up? I mean, couldn't he have argued very well that the city should do that, the country should do that? Couldn't he have said, this is not my responsibility, this is somebody else's? Could he have said that? But those aren't the issues. It's not whether you made the mess in the kitchen. This is going to get close to home, I know. It's not whether you made the mess. It's not whether it's your responsibility. 
Just do what you can. When walking through a church, it's maybe you didn't leave the garbage on the floor. Maybe it's not your responsibility to pick it up. Just do what you can. That's all anybody's ever asking. Can you imagine a world where people just did what they could, whatever it is, you don't have to be paid for it. You don't have, a, you have to have a job or responsibility. You just do what you can. Can you imagine a world like that? How many have seen the movie Gladiator? Come on, put up your hands. Don't be shy now. It's a violent, bloody movie about some things that really happened around the time of Christ and afterwards where the emperors of Rome would have gladiator games for the entertainment of the public. But these were not games. These were fights to the death. The Colosseums and the amphitheaters would be covered in blood when they were over with. People killed and cut apart. Their insides spread out on the floor of the amphitheater. Animals butchered. It was horrible. It was horrible. Especially it was horrible for Christians. Because at a certain point, the emperor decided that Christians should be, should be part of the fun. And so Christians were persecuted by putting them into the gladiator forums, into the Colosseums where they would fight wild animals. Even Hebrews talks about it. People torn apart, torn asunder. Christians doing nothing more than what you're doing today. Coming to church and worshiping Jesus Christ were killed on the floor of the stadiums as people cheered and waved their hands and did all wonderful things. Isn't this a fun time? crazy world, I'm telling you. It was crazy. The story goes that around 400 years after Jesus, a priest by the name of Telemachus, he had been a monk. He had been a what they call an aesthetic. He, he, he used to live in the desert and just meditate and sing, and he never had any dealings with people. He was very spiritual, but really had no dealings with people. Telemachus decided that he would move into the city. He had moved to Rome. And so the story goes that he came into the city, and on the particular day that he was coming into the city. The streets were crowded. They were crowded, full of people. People were going someplace. He didn't know where they were going, but they, just like a throng, they were moving as one, and he just got caught up in it. He moved along with them, and he ended up at the Roman Colosseum, where that day, the gladiator games would be held. He didn't know what to expect. He'd never heard of them. He'd never been to one. And so he goes with a crowd, and he watches as these men come out all armed with their swords and weapons and they make the statement, you know it, you've heard it, we who are about to die salute you. 
And then the games began. Butchering one another. Killing one another. Fighting to the death. Telemachus was horrified. He watched as the people cheered and cheered on these gladiators who would die in just a few minutes, cheering them on like they were the big heroes. And Telemachus watched horrified and finally he could stand it no more. And from his seat, he stood up and said, Stop! In the name of Jesus, stop! And of course, in that big crowd, nobody paid attention to him, nobody even heard him. And he yelled all the more and finally recognizing that he was never going to be heard from where he was, he moved down to the rail, the, the rail around the arena, and he began to shout and scream as loud as voice, stop, in the name of Jesus, stop, for the love of God, stop, this is crazy. And finally he got the attention of people, but it wasn't the attention he wanted, because he was interrupting their fun. He was interrupting their games. And so they began to jeer him. Shut up. Sit down. Go home. We don't want you here. Telemachus finally jumped over the rail right onto the floor of the Colosseum, right where the people were fighting. And he began to call out in his loud voice, Stop in the name of Jesus. Stop. And the crowd just went wild, crazy wild. They were bloodthirsty. Somebody had to die. And they began to shout, kill him, kill him, do away with him. We don't want him. And you know the scene, put the thumbs down. We don't want him here. And finally, one of the gladiators had had enough of this measly little priest. And so he ran him through with his sword stuck it right through his stomach, came out the other side. His guts spilled all over the arena. And with that, the crowd grew silent. They were satiated. They were satisfied. Blood had been spilled. One man, the story goes, one man decided he had had enough. And he got up and walked out. And then another. And another. And another. Eventually, the whole Colosseum emptied. And the gladiators are like, what's going on? And they realized that something had taken place. And the games were over. The gladiators walked out of the arena as Telemachus' bloody body laid in the sand. History says that that was the last time gladiator games were ever held in the Colosseum. And apparently the emperor heard what had happened and within a hundred years, all gladiators, all gladiator games throughout the Roman Empire were done away with. They were banned. They were no longer legal.
You say, what can one man do? It's sad, isn't it, that we know and we've watched the movie Gladiator. We know the story, if I were to ask some of you. Tell me the story. Some of you could tell me. You know exactly every detail of that movie. But if I ask you, do you know who Telemachus is? Don't know him. He's the one man, the one man who said enough's enough. This has got to stop. And the one man who stood up and said, I'm going to do something. I'm going to do something. Now, that story may not hit you where it needs to hit you. Some of you still can't imagine what the world would be like if everybody just did something. So let me tell you one more story. It's a familiar one. Most of you have heard it. It's the story of a man on vacation, a nice, beautiful beach area, coastal beach area. The night after a storm, he walked along the beach and the beach was literally littered with starfish that had been pushed up onto the beach where they were stranded and they would die if they didn't get back to the water. By the time the tide returned, they would all be dead. And this man walked along amazed at this scene of these dying starfish when he came across a little boy and the little boy was throwing starfish back into the ocean. One by one, throwing the starfish back into the ocean. And the man said to him, what are you doing? And he said, I'm saving the starfish. And the man laughed at him and said, you can't do that. You can't save all these starfish. It's impossible. You'll never do it. You can't save them all. To which the young boy bent down picked up the starfish. So they can't save them all, but they can save this one and threw it back in the ocean. Can I ask you, what can you do? What can you do? As I was sitting today through the service, I was thinking of the mom at home who's got two or three kids or whatever. They're busy. Life is busy. Kids are going everywhere. My daughter has four kids. One's in hockey. I guess two are in hockey. They're going everywhere. Her life, when I phone them up, it's constantly busy, just constantly hectic. She leads worship in our church. She teaches Sunday school in the church. She's a very busy woman. I was thinking of the mom in our church. It's like that. There's a number of them. Very busy. What can you do? What can you do? Could you pray for 15 minutes a day in tongues as you're cleaning the house and just doing your stuff? Could you, could you do something? Could you pray? Um... 
I think of the men and women who work and have jobs outside the home and they're very busy and then they come home and there's lots to do. Could you do something? Maybe you could come and clean up in the kitchen after something went on or help set up chairs or do something? Is, is there anything that you can do? We're discovering, of course, that one person can do a lot. Rain sits back of the back and she's on missions trips and doing what she can. You can do far more than you think you can. We talked about that last Sunday. You're a child of God. The Bible says God's spirit indwells you. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is working in you. He's empowering you. He's giving you ideas. I personally believe that every problem in the world could be solved if people would just do what they could. Those who don't have a lot would just do what they could. Those who have millions of dollars would do what they could. Those who have PhDs would do what they could. And those who barely finished high school, just do what you can. Just do what you can. Just do something. I personally believe every problem in the world could be solved. I do not think it's a resource problem. I think it's a people problem. I remember years ago, I don't know how old it was, when I first heard about the tar sands. I was in Ontario and I remember hearing about the tar sands. These sands that were filled with oil, but they couldn't get it out. Now somebody began to do what they could, use their technology, use their wisdom and expertise, and they began to learn to extract the oil from the sand. And of course, it's been huge, huge part of our economy. And of course, now we have problems. We have people telling us it's dirty. And it probably is. But that's not, fix or that's not unfixable. We can fix it. We can do better. Can we do better? Can you do better at your job? Can you do one thing at your job that's not required of you, that's not expected of you? Just do one thing that is not on the job description. Can you do one thing that you don't have a position for in the church that nobody has to ask? Just do one thing. Uh, Teresa will tell you, when we do VBS, we have 160 kids here in the summertime. There are some people that really just have one job. They just do one thing. There's a lot of volunteers. Can't do it by ourselves. It's done by people who just do one thing. Maybe it's sitting at the table registering. Maybe it's serving cookies in the kitchen. But they're doing one thing. Just do one thing. You know, those of us who are doing so many things, we thank you. Because it would ease the pressure. On those people who are doing multiple things, if everybody just did one thing. And you know what? That's actually what the Bible teaches, isn't it? We're part of the body of Christ. Every part is a body. Every member is part of the body. And we just have to do one thing, whatever it is. So what are you going to do? What are you 
going to do this week? Let me change that. What are you going to do today? Today. Because if you leave this place today thinking I'm going to do something this week, by Wednesday it'll be forgotten. I know that. By Thursday you won't have a clue what I talked about today. But this afternoon, if you go home and get a piece of paper and say, this is the one thing I can do, and you begin to do it to the best of your ability for the glory of God, whether you do it well or you don't do it well, we can say, leave her alone. She's doing what she can. Leave him alone. He's doing what he can. Whether it's part of the prayer team, part of the worship team, part of the ushering team, part of the team that does so many things around the church they can't even mention all the things that are done. Some of them are not any teams, just individuals. Just do what you can. Can you imagine a world? I'm asking you to imagine today a world, a church, a home filled with people who are just doing what they can. Just doing what they can. Prakash is going to come and lead us in a song. And um, it's actually asked that question. What can I do to praise you? What can I do to worship you? What can I do that will bring God glory? And that's what I want you to think about today. I didn't get time to do it. I wanted to do it. I should have done it. I was going to make up a starfish for every one of you and put it in your bulletins and get you to write down something that you could do this week. One thing. Just one thing. Maybe it's you can give financially. You haven't been doing that. Maybe you can begin to tithe. Maybe it's you want the Holy Spirit and you're hungry for God and you say, I want more of God. I want more of the Spirit. I can do that. You just need to do something. As we sing this song, um, our prayer team's going to come. We have some people here that would like to pray with you. And whether it's for anything to do with this message. Maybe you need the baptism of the Spirit. Maybe you're hungry for healing. Maybe it has nothing to do at all with anything I've said, but you just, you just need, have a need in your life, and you'd like somebody to pray with you. These people have said, this is the one thing I can do. I can at least pray for people. And they've come and been part of a training session, part of a training team, and they've made themselves available, and they're here today, and they want to they pray for you. So why don't you stand and sing this song, What Can I Do?